Good morning. Is everybody doing all right? Okay. Will you stand with us? Let's shout it out this morning. Good morning, Cavanaugh Church family. How's everyone doing? 
Good, man, it's good, so good to see you guys. Thank you so much for worshiping um, and celebrating the Lord this morning. We do have an overcomer. I'm so thankful for Jesus and for what he did on the cross for us. And we're so glad that you are here to, today with us here at our church to celebrate that. God is good, amen? Amen. And I'm, again, we're so glad that you're here. We've been praying for you all week. We know that God has something special and in store for us today. So we know that, uh, we know that uh, he's here and we hope that you are here physically, Yes, but also mentally and spiritually uh, to be ready for what the Lord has for all of us. Um, if you're a first-time guest, and I know we have several. I've already met several families this morning. It's so great to have you guys. Welcome to our church. We love uh, what's going on here, our church and our church family, and we want to be able to tell you all about it. If I haven't met you already, um, there, there is a connect station right out the, these back doors. I would love to meet you there right after service. Um, but before that, there's a connect card in the chair back in front of you. If you could fill that out for me um, and bring it back to that connect counter, and we'll have a little gift for you as well. So we, again, we want to tell you all about our church and what's going on th here throughout the week. Um, but it's great to see you guys, and again, we're so ready for this this morning to continue on, so I'm going to invite you all to stand up, and we're going to ask God's anointing on our services today. Great to see you guys. Let's pray with one. Lord, we love you, and again, we're so thankful for um, what you've done for us, God. Thank you so much for being um, our Lord and our Savior, thank you for um, holding us so close and loving us and showering upon us grace after grace, mercy after mercy, God. We couldn't be who we are or where we are without you. So we lift you up and we praise you for all that you've done for our lives. Lord, we pray for salvation today. We pray that people come to know you and see you for who you really are. Because we know that there might be someone here that just has not made the greatest decision that they could ever make, God. We know that you give them the choice to do it. So God, as uh, Brother Will brings the message as we continue on through our worship, God, uh, we pray especially for those hearts today that walls fall down and that you go in and you plant your seed of grace and love in their life and they see you for who you, for who you really are, God. For the rest of us, God, we want to continue to just grow and develop and be the people that you want us to be, God. We have so many uh, areas and places of influence that we go and, and throughout the week, God. We want to make an impact there. So, Lord, help equip us today through the preaching of your word so we can really make a positive, positive difference in this world today. We love you so much. In your name, amen. Greet those around you, and we'll get started in a few seconds. Good.
John 1, verses 4 and 5 says, In him, meaning Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 12, 46, Jesus said, I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 says, You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin.
You were yesterday, you are now, and you will always be. We never have to doubt that you're with us, that you're here. Even when we feel that you're not, you are always with us. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm thankful for your presence that I feel here this morning. I just pray that you move in our midst, fill us with your spirit. Open our hearts, Father God, to hear what you have for us this morning. I pray your anointing on Brother Will. Give him the words, Father, that you want us to hear. And just help us to be open to receive. And once again, I praise you for your faithfulness and your mercy always. I ask this in Jesus' name. God is good, amen, and uh, I know he's on the throne, and I know God speaks to us, and I'm thankful that God still calls us and calls us into ministry. Y'all know Bryce, uh, he's, he's my brother in Christ, and I'm so proud of, of Bryce. He has answered a call into ministry. He's been attending classes at Randall University, and uh, a church in Chicota has called Bryce to be their youth pastor. And so this is Bryce's last Sunday with us. Him and Jaden are gonna be going to Shakota. And uh, I tell you what, when we have the invitation, Bryce, you and Jaden come down here, and as a church, let's come around them and pray over them and ask God to be with them as they go there to start this new ministry. In fact, I wanna pray for you right now, okay? Heavenly Father, I love you so much. I thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for the grace that calls us to do things for you. And I'm so glad that Bryce has listened, he's answered the call, and he's starting this new ministry. I pray for his students that he will be ministering to in Chicota. I pray, dear Lord, that uh, Jesus would be the Lord of that ministry and great things would happen through Bryce's ministry. Let him know this church loves him and supports him in Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, buddy. Y'all give Bryce a big hand. Pray for him. Yeah, man, proud of that guy. Proud, proud, proud of him. Uh, it's kind of been chaotic this morning. Uh, Catherine and Devin are not here, and that's a good thing, all right? They're at the hospital, and uh, we're going to have a baby maybe today, later on, or in the morning. Uh, they still haven't told us what this baby is going to be, but on Wednesday night, you guys voted. It's going to be a boy, right? I mean, so we can't wait to meet the new Dundee baby, all right? Also, pray for Johnny and Gail. On the way in this morning, they were rear-ended, and uh, Johnny's had to go to the hospital uh, with back pain, so please pray for him. And then another staff member, Ray Copeland, our primetimer pastor, has fractured his hip and was in the hospital this past week for other unrelated issues to his hip. So I'll tell you what, our, our staff has taken a licking, but we keep on ticking. And uh, I don't know, Jason, it's me or you that are next, and I don't know. I'm hoping it's you, dude, not me, because you're tougher. <laughs> you're a lot tougher than I am. Hey, uh, 
let me, let me get into Proverbs this morning. I've been preaching through Proverbs in the summer months, and today we're going to talk uh, more about the book of Proverbs, and I have 21 verses for you from the book of Proverbs. Uh, but let me start it by, by saying this. Tuesday is a landmark day for me. Uh, I turned 62 this coming Tuesday, August 15th. I'll be 62. Now, 62 is just a number, right? For some of you, that really seems old. Others, maybe that seems young. It, it's, just a, it's just a number to me, but I can tell you this. 26 years ago, when Angie and I moved here on August the 15th, put those together. My birthday coincides with when we came to Cavanaugh Church. It's the way I keep up with it, all right? 26 years ago when I came here, I was just a young kid, 36 years old. And at 36 years old, I thought 62 was old. In fact, back then, I thought if you were 62 years old, you had one foot in the grave, man. I don't think that anymore. 62 is the new 42. Are you with me? Hey, it's just a number. But here's, here's the realization I came to, Jason. Most of my years are behind me now. I think you're speaking my language. Yeah, okay. I only have so many in front of me. And even if I pull off a, a Harmon thing, which it's traditional, Harmons live till they're in their 90s, close to 100, all right? I still have fewer years ahead of me than I've got behind me. And instead of sitting back and, and kind of taking it easy and living in the good old days, no, the Lord has really challenged me. I need to step my game up. My best days are in front of me, and I've got a lot more to do. One of the most frequent themes in the book of Proverbs is this, the importance of being diligent in life. And so I may not be preaching to any of you today, but I'm preaching to old Will Harmon. I need to be more diligent. For spiritual maturity, it means paying attention to things both large and small in your life. And that requires a threefold commitment on our part. First, we have to make a commitment that we're going to apply ourselves. We have to tell ourselves, you know what? God created me to be special for Him and to live an abundant life for Him. To be as effective as I can be during my temporary tour on duty on this earth. I have to keep growing. I've got to keep learning. I must keep developing to keep improving myself for the sake of the kingdom of God and for Jesus Christ. This is one of the underlying themes of the book of Proverbs. We should be growing in wisdom every single day. We should be applying ourselves to growth every morning. And as I read through the book of Proverbs, one of the constant refrains is that you can be wiser. You can do better. You can learn to live on a higher level. And church, I want you to notice how this theme shows up in a single phrase that occurs several times in Proverbs. For example, chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words 
and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and, read this phrase with me, apply your heart to understanding. Chapter 22, verse 17, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and, read this, apply your heart to my knowledge. And then Proverbs 23, 12, read it. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to the words of knowledge. So three times we have that phrase, apply your heart, apply it to understanding, apply your heart to knowledge, apply your heart to instruction. So there comes a time in our life in which we must be proactive and diligent and take charge of our own lives, applying ourselves to do whatever we need to do to improve ourselves so that we can be our fullest potential for the cause of Christ. Listen to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5. It says, get wisdom, get understanding. Wisdom is the practical thing, therefore get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. How about Proverbs 19, verse 8? He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. So don't just sit back in your easy chair. Be getting it on. (laughs) Get wisdom. Get understanding. As a preacher and a public speaker, I've been encouraged by the example of Demosthenes. He was one of the most famous Greek orators of his day. As a young man, so the story goes, he tried to speak before the Athenian assembly in Athens. It was made up of the greatest orators of the nation, but his speech was so bad that they laughed him off the stage. And in humiliation and dejection, he went to the Greek coast and there stayed with a friend. He lamented to his friend, I'll never be a great orator, but his friend consoled and counseled him and said, oh, with enough training, you can be a great speaker. And so Demosthenes shaved off half of his beard. He had a long beard, and he shaved half of it off so that he would not be tempted to go back into public until he had become a great speaker. And there by the seashore, he started practicing. He used the crashing of the ocean as a sounding board with which to strengthen his voice. He practiced speaking with pebbles in his mouth to improve his enunciation and diction. He would shout out his speeches while running uphill to improve his volume and his lung capacity. He would suspend a sword across his shoulders to correct a problem that he had with bad posture. And he studied the speeches of other great orators. In fact, he wrote them out word by word over and over again to teach himself the construction of sentences. The day finally came when he rose to speak again in the Athenian assembly. And by the time Demosthenes had finished his address, the entire audience stood to their feet shouting, Yes, yes, we will follow this man. Yes, yes. We will listen to what he has to say. How did he do that? Well, he let his beard grow back, (laughs) but he also practiced diligently. You know what? No matter what it is that you're doing right now, you can learn to do it better. 
Whatever God has called you to do, you can learn to do it better than you're doing it right now. Whatever your profession is, you can do it better. Whatever your hobby is, you can get better at it. Whatever your ministry, whatever your skill, whatever it is, the gift of the Holy Spirit that God has given to you, you can develop that and improve that, and you can be better. This is true of our kids who are back in kids' church right now. Those who want to be all that God wants them to be, they can be that person. It's true for our teenagers in Blaze Ministry. They can become the men and women that God can use greatly. It's true of those of you in this room who have hit midlife, and you're wondering if you're on the downhill slide of things. No, there is room for improvement. It's also true of us older folks who think that we've now reached an age where there's little reason to keep on plugging away and improving. But let me tell you, my friends, there is room for improvement. And Miss Angie keeps telling me, no, you can't get to that point where you just tell people what you think and think it's okay because you're an old man. (laughs) We can get better. You can be better. The great novelist Pearl Buck was asked on her 80th birthday if she wished to be young again. I love her response. She said, wish to be young again? No, for I have learned too much to wish to lose it all now. I am far more of a valuable person today than I was 50 years ago or 40 or 30 or 20 or even 10. I have learned so much, she said, since I turned 70. (laughs) Maybe you know the name Norman Vincent Peale. He was an American clergyman and wrote a famous book in the middle of the 20th century. You know the name of that book? It's The Power of Positive Thinking. Any, anybody out there, have you read that book? It, it's an amazing little book. Uh, maybe some of his theology is weak, but I found that book to be very helpful, and a lot of you have as well. One day, Dr. Peel received a letter from a man thanking him for that book, The Power of Positive Thinking. The man who wrote the letter was 93 years old. And let me read you a part of the letter. He said, I have had an inferiority complex for 93 years. And it made me miserable for 93 years. But a friend gave me your book, The Power of Positive Thinking. I read your book. I believed your book. I practiced all of your suggestions. And I am writing to report that after 93 years, I have finally lost my inferiority complex. You know what? As long as we are alive, as long as we're breathing, we should keep growing. Maybe, maybe today you need to muster your energy and go back to school. Maybe you need to finish your degree. Maybe you need to get into that C group that we're about to start in a few weeks. Maybe you need to exercise and and start developing a a workout program. If you're having problems, Miss Joy can help you with that. Maybe you need to listen to those Christian motivational podcasts you've been putting off. Maybe you need to memorize that chapter of Scripture God has told you to memorize. Maybe you need to change your dietary habits. Well, my word for you today is this. What, What are you waiting on, man? Take charge and prayerfully begin applying yourself so that you can be all that you can be for the Lord Jesus Christ.
The Apostle Paul wrote that outwardly we are perishing. I will agree with that. But the other half of that verse is just as true. He said, inwardly we are being renewed day by day, getting stronger in the spirit day by day. I love Proverbs 4.18. Jason, I'm going to read it out of the message. The ways of right living people glow with light. The longer they live, the brighter they shine. Look at me. God is not finished with you yet. You can be better. You need to be better. You can live up to the potential God made you. You just need to get with it, man. You need to apply yourself. A second application of diligence is seen in the way in which we accept correction. Now, I'm not talking about responding to criticism, but receiving correction from those friends and family members, and especially from God himself. For we need their insights if we are going to improve. The theme of accepting correction winds its way through the book of Proverbs like an unbroken ribbon. For example, chapter 3, verse 11, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. What about chapter 9, verse 9, give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Then chapter 10, verse 17, he who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. One more, chapter 13, verse 1, a wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. I know a lot of people who don't like correction. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but, but you know if you do or not. You try to help them, you try to tell them something, you try to admonish them or correct them, and all you get is angry resentment. You're afraid to say amen. <laughs> In counseling with married couples through the years, I have found that there are some husbands who just don't want to sit down for counseling. They resent it. They think they can solve everything on their own because that's the way God made them. And they're irritable at the thought of having to sit there in front of a preacher and tell all the problems they have in their marriage. They resent it. Sometimes, now I'll, I'll let you ladies feel good there about that. Sometimes the husband is eager it's the wife who resists the counseling. I know this, people battling substance abuse are often in denial. And they don't want anyone telling them things that they don't want to hear. They resent correction or counsel. But the book of Proverbs speaks very frankly and attributes that kind of response to foolish people. It is a fool who does not want to hear correction. A wise person is eager for help and humble enough to accept advice and correction and counsel. 
Don't take my word for it. Listen to Solomon, the wisest man who's lived. Chapter 13, verse 18. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction. But he who regards a rebuke will be honored. Chapter 15, verse 5. A fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. Chapter 15, verse 32. He who disdains instruction despises his own soul, but he who heeds rebuke, he gets understanding. Chapter 19, verse 20. Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. 28, 23. He who rebukes a man will find more favor afterward than he who flatters with his tongue. And then chapter 29, verse 1. He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. So if you want to be diligent, you've got to apply yourself, but you also have to accept correction. Now, I don't know, are you like me? When someone speaks a word of rebuke or correction to me, I kind of bow up a little bit. Is that just my nature or is it human nature? My first thought is, who in the cotton-picking world do you think you are? Come on, are you with me? And all of a sudden, mentally, I, I am outlining all of their faults and all their failures. Waiting for a little rebuke of my own. But then, can I tell you, every single time it happens, it's the Holy Spirit of God. And God gets a hold of my heart and says, hey, hey, buddo, just, just shut up. Remember, we talked about that last week, didn't we? Just, just shut up, don't say anything, because I sent this person to correct you. You know what? Everything they say may not be true, but there's a hint of truth in it. There is something I need to hear, some way I need to correct my own life. God's will for me is up here, and I'm stuck way over here. And God is trying to get me up this path to go the right way, to be the man he wants me to be. And in order for that to happen, he's got to correct me. Whom the Lord loves, he rebukes. Whom the Lord loves, he chastises. And he's just doing it out of love. So I'm about to go on, and you're saying, hurry, move on. I'm tired of this. If you're the one giving the correction, if, if God speaks to you and, and says, you, you need to go, you, you, Will, you need to go and speak a word of rebuke to your wife. I'm going to call Jason and say, hey, this is your job to talk. No. <laughs> but if, you do, if God tells me to say a word of correction to any of you, it matters how I say that. I need to pray that through. I need to be humble and meek and mild and submissive to the Holy Spirit and to God. I, I don't need to say it. <laughs> no. 
I need to plead with you as a brother or sister in Christ that God has led me to say this word or rebuke to you so that you can receive it. And that's the second thing. If you do receive a word of correction or rebuke that God has sent your way, you need to receive that in love, my friend. And realize that this is God rebuking you and correcting you and chastising you because he loves you. And he wants you to be the best version of you that you can be. And in order for that to happen, you must apply yourself and you must accept correction. Finally, I'm waiting for it, finally, being diligent in life means that we commit ourselves to working hard. The verses that speak to this in the book of Proverbs are almost too numerous to quote. I've just picked a few of them out I want to share with you, so listen up. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, go to the ant. I love this as a kid. I would go out and study ants because the Bible told us to. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food for harvest. Chapter 10, verse 4. Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. Chapter 12, verse 24. The hand of the diligent will rule but the lazy man will be put into forced labor. Chapter 12, verse 27, out of the message, a lazy life is an empty life, but early to rise gets the job done. Chapter 26, verses 13 and following, the lazy man says, there's a lion in the road. A fierce lion is in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. The lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. It wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Chapter 28, verse 19. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. And that is only a sampling of the verses the Bible gives that tells us we need to be working hard. Sabine Gould, maybe you don't know that name, but you do know one of the songs he wrote, Onward Christian Soldiers. Know that song? He not only wrote that song, but many other hymns. He was an incredibly prolific man who pastored his small village church. He taught college, dabbled in archaeology, published travel guides, and for many years wrote a novel every single year. He became an authority on British folk music. And no one really knows how many other books or publications he penned, but it was an astonishing number. In fact, at one time, he was responsible for more books in the British Museum Library than any other author. Sabine Gould declared that he often did his best work when he felt least inclined to apply himself to the task. Rather than just sitting there and wait for inspiration, he plunged into his work and he plodded along until it was finished. The secret is simple, that I stick to a task when I begin it, he said. It would never do to wait from day to day for some moments that might bring some favorable aspect of my work. Now, that's a complicated way of saying what 
Jerry West, the great basketball player, said. He said, you can't get much done in life if you only work on the days where you feel like working. Are you with me? I know there are times in life when we need to relax, both our minds and our bodies. We aren't machines that pound away 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. In fact, Jesus himself told his disciples they needed to take a break. They needed to come apart and rest for a while. Because if you don't come apart, you will come apart. But you know what? By and large, God didn't make us to sit around in our easy chair, wasting our time for hours and hours, binging on TV shows, devouring movies, playing video games, or scrolling on our phones. We only have a few years to accomplish all that God wants us to do, so the Bible tells us we should number our days so that we might present to God a heart of wisdom. We should redeem the time, the Bible says, for the days are evil. We should occupy until he comes because time is drawing short. We need to be about our Father's business so that one day he can look us in the eye and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Really, the very process of sanctification is that process of God making us better every day. We become more holy every day. We become more like Jesus every day so that today I am more like Jesus than I was yesterday. And I am going to grow today so that I can be more like him tomorrow. I don't know about you, but not many, I believe, are very satisfied with where they are right now. I know I'm not. Sometimes I become discouraged with myself. Some days I feel worthless and useless some days I feel like a colossal failure. I think most of us have bouts with feelings like that. You know what, when that happens, here's what we need to do. We need to remind ourselves, God's not finished with me yet. God's still working on me. Through Jesus Christ, he wants me to mature. He wants me to grow. He wants me to become all he intended for me to be and intends for me to do in his kingdom. But in order for that to happen, I've got to cooperate with God. I've got to be diligent. I've got to pay attention to what matters, both large and small. And that means I apply myself. That means that I accept correction when it comes. And that means that I roll up my sleeves and I get to work and I work hard. And as we do, God begins to do a good work in us that he's going to complete on the day of redemption. Now, I really, I really don't think I preached this message to many of you in this room. You know what? I was preaching that message to me. Because I realized some things. We're all getting older. Keenan, when I came here, you were just a kid, man. <laughs> Some of you weren't even born. Think about that. And we've lost a whole lot of people in 26 years.
And I don't know, there, there, there's kind of a tendency, I guess it happens kind of, Kyle, I don't know, I guess it maybe happens when you get around 60-ish and you start thinking, you know what? I need to think about retiring. I need to think about taking it easy. I need to think about letting other people do this hard work, and I'm just going to kick back and do nothing, say what I want to say. Let's stop thinking that way. Because God's not finished with any of us in this room. And there is so much more we need to be doing together. I came here with with dreams, with a vision. And that dream and vision has not been completely fulfilled yet. So I know God's not done with me. So we need to keep progressing and plugging along and doing more today than we were doing yesterday and plan on doing more the end of this year than we did the first of this year. I don't know about you, but I still want to be the best me that I can be. And that means I've got to apply myself, accept correction, and work hard. I don't know what you're going to do during this invitation, but I'm going to be kneeling up here and I'm going to be giving myself to the will of God. I'm I'm going to be submitting my heart to his will. I'm going to be surrendering my life to his call and say, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do from this day on, I'm going to do it. You know what? I'm asking that you come and pray the same prayer. You know, I don't know where you are in life. Maybe you're kind of getting close to retirement. Great. That means you have more time for God. So why don't you do stuff like Brother Bryce has just done and say, Lord, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. And let God use you for his kingdom. Heavenly Father, I pray that right now we would all do a self-inventory of where we stand with you and how we're living our life and what we're doing with what you've given us. Dear Lord, as, as the writer of Proverbs has suggested, Lord, we know we need to be more diligent. We know we need to apply ourselves and accept correction and work harder. And so I pray that today would just be that, that, that day when all of this comes to a head and we we finally kneel at an altar and we completely submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our own life. Lord, for that person who needs to come and receive Jesus as their Savior, I pray that today they would be saved. For the rest of us, Lord, may may we just come and put it all on the altar and present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Lord, I'm expecting great things to happen in the lives of everyone in this room and in the life of this great church. And that only occurs when we become diligent in things both large and small. And I pray that would happen today at the altar in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? I know Bryce and Jaden are going to come. You can come pray with them. But... You come and pray for yourself as well. Pray for your family. Pray that you would be diligent 
to do God's will, God's way. As they sing, why don't you come? Jesus, we do love you. We praise you. We, we know the difference is when Jesus is in us. And I pray, dear Jesus, that you would lead us, guide us, mold us, and make us into the people you want us to be. I pray, dear Lord, that you would be with Bryce and Jaden as they start this new ministry. I pray that all of us would be open to your will and that we would be diligent living for you every single day. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for our church. I pray, dear Lord, that we would do our part so that the world can hear about Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Amen. I don't know that we give God enough credit. Let's give God a big hand today because he's amazing and he does so many things. I've got a long list of reminders, so I hope you haven't mentally checked out. Okay, check back in. When you leave the room, make sure you put your offering in one of those black boxes. Thank you for your gifts to Kavanaugh. Keep on giving. Naomi's friends will meet tomorrow at uh, 1 o'clock at Unisys for a time of fellowship. School starts back this week. <laughs> Desperate parents are applauding right there. Let's pray for our kids. Let's also pray for Kavanaugh Children's Center as they embark on a new school year. We have a great uh, kindergarten here at Kavanaugh Church. Been going a long time and has impacted so many lives in the River Valley. So let's pray for Danny and Catherine, all of our teachers. Let's pray for those kids at CCC. Also this Wednesday night, we have uh, classes for all ages. Brother Jason is going to be preaching for the adults, so pray for him. 11.30 on Thursday, we have a Prime Timers luncheon. So if you're in the Prime Timers age group, come here. It's going to be a great day. Saturday... At 9 o'clock, I'm just reading this, ladies, laughter and lattes. 
9 o'clock. Dunkin' Donut is where that's going to happen. Now, I might show up, but I'll be eating donuts if I'm going to Dunkin' Donuts, right? <laughs> ladies' laughter and lattes. Just time of fellowship for you ladies. Also, next Sunday on the 20th, we have Baptism Day. We have numerous people who need to be baptized, uh, so the list is growing. If you've been saved but not baptized, see Brother Jason or myself and get signed up for this great, great day. On Wednesday night, the 23rd, our Children's Center is going to host a spaghetti dinner. So come Wednesday night, 6 o'clock. I think Danny is out in the, the hallway right now selling tickets for that. It's going to be a fantastic time, all right? Pray for Miss Catherine as she hopefully has a baby today, all right? Pray for each other. I also want you to pray for Sherry Jones in the sound booth. Sherry's brother um, passed away last night. He was in Oklahoma City. He's been having heart difficulties, and uh, he went to be with the Lord last night. So pray for Sherry and her family. Let's pray for each other because, boy, we need it, don't we? Thank you so much for being in God's house today. Hope you have a great week. Get out of here.